Ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. And welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Today, also sponsored by COVID, because it's what I have. (laughs) Jasper's struggling over here. I can't breathe through my nose. So... Tell me about your high school mascots. I don't understand the mascot for this high school, so I'm just going to put that out there. But anyway, tell me about yours. So I'll just outright say it. Our high school mascot was a Native American. No. No! (laughs) Was it literally just like the natives or something? It was called the Warriors. Uh Uh-huh. But um, the mascot itself was a Native American with a big headdress. No. I actually kind of wonder. I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to see if it's... I don't actually know if my school still exists anymore. We were really small. It doesn't your college not exist anyway? No, my college doesn't (laughs) exist anymore either. Jordan! (laughs) Jordan's gonna not exist. Like, what the fuck? Oh, I just looked it up. So the mascot still is a Native American. I guess there's just not enough people at Northwestern who care to change it. Um, Yeah, it's called the Warriors. But um, it was just a Native American. And it was also extra bad because, like, so we didn't have, like, a mascot outfit at, like, uh, football games and whatnot. Our mascot would be some class clown who would put on a headdress and, like, a thong and, like, not a thong, like a sarong. Okay. Um, There's a big difference in coverage between a thong and a sarong, Jordan. (laughs) It was a a a sarong. But but like instead of like a mascot outfit, like it was just like a super fan kind of (laughs) deal. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. What about you, Allie? Mine was so weird. So it was a horse. A horse. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because my hometown is known for a horse race, which is so weird because like. No one who lives there is involved in the horse race at all or, like, raising horses. But we have, like, a huge annual thing where they Uh have to cancel school um, because of how large of an event it is. Oh, wow. Was it, like, stallions or something? Or was it literally just horses? It was called the Pacer. It was even, like, a cool horse. Yeah, I'm going to say, like, not that I know anything about horses. It just doesn't sound very impressive Mm-mm. to me. The best part of this is when we just blatantly took one of the NFL's logos. I, sw- I think it was the Colts. <laughs> and just flipped it horizontally, painted it 
all throughout the town and within a year of like painting it everywhere it was on streets it was like leading the way to the school uh we got a cease and desist and had to remove all trace of this oh my gosh that's so funny what about you jasper ours and my high school was the explorers which I thought was very vague and I didn't really get it until like eventually I saw like our like our mascot guy like in the outfit and I was like oh it's just like a viking guy but I think it's really hilarious that like like you know like Jordan yours is like literally just like a native person there's that argument like well what would you think if just like white people just like whatever that cultural heritage looks like what if that was just a mascot and i'm like well it would be this yeah (laughs) and i think the fact that it's like scandinavian and like a lot of like white supremacist groups appropriate norse um symbology and stuff and like scandinavian cultural heritage for their like white supremacist rhetoric makes it like i don't know an uncomfortable inverse of yours jordan (laughs) yeah absolutely the two sides of the spectrum. I was literally thinking that Jasper, yours was going to be the colonist and colonizers when I heard Explorer. Yeah, it's kind of what it is though, right? Because the whole yeah. idea is like a Leif Erikson type. Like the school mm-hmm. logo was like a like a big ocean vessel with like a bunch of like wide open sails on it and everything. It's like, here we come, white people. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Oh my yeah, gosh. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Before we get into that episode, can we what the fuck is the bomber? Like what do they mean by that? Can we circle back to that? So, isn't a bomber like a World War II plane? <gasps> You're right. Oh my god, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, <laughs> today's episode is season four, episode 13, After School Special, the one where the boys go to Smallville. This episode was written by Andrew Dabb and Daniel Laughlin, directed by Adam Kane, and originally aired on January 29th in 2009. I don't know how to feel. Yeah? You feel a little iffy about this one? So, okay, okay, I'm iffy about a lot of things. But the big one is, is I'm iffy about its placement and effectiveness in the series. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm iffy about, okay, so, well, I'm not iffy as much about, like, the modern day plot I don't like. But I do really like Sam's characterization as a child. But then I'm like, well, why don't we get this level of characterization with him as an adult? Right. I don't know. I have a lot of feelings and then a lot of non... I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) I'm like in a feelings blender. A feelings blender. Well, okay. How about something we can all agree on? A couple of episodes ago, we talked about how the writer's room of this show seems to have a problem where they can't stop bringing up incest. And um, I would argue they also have a problem where they can't stop making jokes that are rooted in pedophilia. Yes. And I just have to ask why. Which is probably the one question the writer room never asked themselves. Like, it feels like it's still in an effort to make Dean this kind of smarmy character, right? Yeah. But it's just so counter to his, like, personal philosophies that we've seen built up over, you know, three and a half seasons at this point. 
it just baffles me. And I think the only good response to any of it is just actually Sam's response in this episode, which is just the word no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just like, in what fucking universe are you sitting around being like, oh yeah, a girl in 12th grade who is not done with grade school. Yeah. Stop it. The finale of the show proves anything. It is how much, like, Supernatural does underwrite its own character and plot lines. Ouch. (laughs) And it, like, does give, like, such a whiplash to the viewers, especially, like, me as a new viewer, because I'm like, well, I'm supposed to feel this way. Like, they'll set up an episode that Dean is this way, has this feeling about certain things, and then treats one like this. Especially, like, like, not to skip ahead too much, but he's... Dean specifically talks about wanting to go see Spit on Your Grave, which is a rape revenge film. And then he's like, going to make a statutory rape joke. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. I don't like it. Right. No, and I think that's actually a super, a super good point, too. And something we talked about in a monster movie, which is that like bringing up the cultural things specifically naming titles individually that a character enjoys is actually a really big fucking deal because all of those have their own intrinsic thematic content and narrative and and message that they're trying to send you so you get like a lot of bang for your buck by saying like dean wants to go see this movie and i will also say to just as a disclaimer i have never seen the movie spit on your grave i just know the basic premise so i don't know how it holds up or same here Yeah. yeah Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I did also see some other instances of that. Um, Uh I don't know how you guys feel about this, but we're also with Sam's friend, supposed to have a little um, empathy towards him, and then they make a comment about him killing himself in the girl's bathroom, which gives me a very icky feeling. Right. Uh, Not as extreme as, like, the set, but I'm like, it does underwrite your own character. Like, right. There needs to be some editing in the characterization of this episode and in general. Yeah, Uh, it felt like they were calling him a slur. (laughs) Yeah. But I also understand that probably more what they meant was that he's more likely to be left alone in the girl's Mm -hmm. bathroom than in the boy's bathroom. Yeah. Like, he was looking for a private place. So, like, I kind Mm -hmm. of understand that. But, yeah, as, like, a queer and trans person watching this, I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I don't know. This is why I think sensitivity readers are, like, a big thing. And, like, don't get me wrong. I think you should follow a narrative where it's trying to go. Like, if one of your main characters really is a fucking shitbag, then make them a shitbag. You know what I mean? It's just, like, don't try and offer me up this character who's really sensitive with children all the time and then have him turn around and be making, like, pedophilic jokes at the same time. And, like, Allie, I can't imagine, like, someone trying to talk to you about, like, which of your students were legal or something. I'm, like, the fucking gall, you know what I mean? And I've literally had people do this, and the only people who have ever done it are women. Oh my god, that's so weird. It's really weird and obviously, like, so worrisome. No one in my life and no one that I would have in my life because that's immediately, like, fuck this person. Yeah, that's, like, beyond red flag. Yeah, and I feel like, thank god we are talking about it now. Like, I think this is definitely a product of its time, and I'm hoping 
if it were written today, I wouldn't have this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think a lot about um, stuff like, you know, Riverdale season one has the Mm -hmm. relationship between the main character and the music teacher or whatever. Yeah, the quote unquote, like, woke uh, gossip girl does as well. And that's even a a whole thing, too, because it's a gay character. Right. Yeah. Well, I and I think like that is like a whole other can of worms when you talk about age differences in queer romance, because there is (laughs) a reason that you see that reflected in fiction a lot is because it's it's a big part of real life um, dating and like hookup culture in the queer community. But you know that's just his own issue and i still think it's fucked like it's fucked up yeah. like even beyond like the um the age difference there's like a power difference there like one is specifically yes. an authority figure so exactly yeah well uh. and i i like i said i'm heartened by the fact that like even though it was definitely played for a laugh here the way they write sam is immediately shutting the joke down and just mm-hmm. being like no we're not doing this does move the moment along as well and we don't really see anything weird like that come up again in the episode and i think for me i have a weird time with it being dean because to me i think i read a lot of him as reflecting what he's seen other males do when they're talking about women because of like compulsory heteronormativity in him so like that's another layer but also like if you're not gonna ever open that up don't have this in the show yeah definitely definitely I like that you point that out because you can in this episode in particular like see the ways in which he is pretending to be Mm -hmm. somebody like in the in the flashback and they don't give us the impression that he has really come to terms with how to deal with his emotional isolation from people in the present either um, when they go back and forth. So like when Amanda yells at him and is like, you're just a sad, lonely little kid or whatever, like you're pretending to be a certain way and like you see him in his dad's huge jacket, like the whole episode. I think it is trying a little Mm -hmm. bit to say, like, these ideas came from somewhere specific and he's Mm -hmm. projecting them on purpose. But the fact that it's not directly connected to this gross joke, yeah, I find that to be an issue as well. So to get into the episode itself, if we're ready to talk about that. Totally. Yeah, it starts with the girl getting, like, slut-shamed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of heft to this cold open. Mm-hmm. It was a wild ride. Yeah, it was. And I think it presents the ideas of the episode really well, actually. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of these cold opens really don't. It just representing the complexities in, like, bullying and pain and where our emotional outbursts go mm-hmm. and who they hurt and things like that sort of domino effect i really like it i'm also happy in this cold open to see the actress who plays taylor marie um i don't know how to pronounce her name it's greek Avgaropoulos, okay. i think anyway she played octavia in the 100 and she's phenomenal in that i think she's so good she's so tiny here with her little plucked eyebrows 
You go, you little superstar. She kind of looks like Ruby to me. (laughs) A little. And I was like, wait. (laughs) Yeah. It took me like a second to be like, oh yeah, this is a different person. I could not get over how she was in like a formal looking dress. Oh, yeah. Like, why did this look like something Bella would wear? You know, I didn't even think about that. Um, But you know what? I just immediately internalized it. It's like... The table had, like, the jocks and the cheerleaders. I just assumed she was, like, like a, a dancer. Are you thinking of color guard? The flag people? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I just assumed it was, like, for that because it was the same, like, cherry red. <clears throat> that would make sense because I was just wildly confused. Yeah. Um, like, if she wore it to anything, it was, like, for homecoming. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I like how all the cool kids wear red, and then when she leaves this table, um, this girl is in, like, a washed-out gray. Yeah, no, it's such good costuming. And then when they show Taylor Mm -hmm. later in the bathroom, she's wearing blues and purples as well. Because she's in the out group now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Death by Swirly is a pretty brutal way to go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and I guess, like, she was possessed, so she had, like, super strength, but, like, when she hit her head against the sink and she just, like, spurted blood out of her mouth, I was like, damn. Yeah, that was intense. And, like, I I get it, April. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Sometimes a bitch is just annoying, (laughs) and you want to bash their head in. I feel you, girl. (laughs) I think this is, like, the second time we've had, like, a plus-size person on the show, and then Mm -hmm. you're, like, driven to violence by supernatural means. Oh, yeah. Or, like, possessed. Like, the show really likes that. It's, like, you can only have fat people exist in your universe if they're meant for, like, a supernatural swerve. Right. You could call it a supernatural swirly. Oh, God. I could call it, and I will call it that. (laughs) I, uh, I thought of Anna, too, after the cold open when, like, Sam is talking to her in the psychiatric facility. When she's just like, why do you care? No one believes me. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. And she's just hanging out. I'm like, ah, yes. Such is the woman's lot <laughs> in psychiatric <laughs> care. <laughs> uh. Oh, my gosh. At, like... Uh, closed down psychiatric centers like one Jordan and I went to they have lists of why women were admitted and the oh, next Jesus. one needed to be added is supernatural swirly yes definitely also for Anna apocalyptic hysteria <gasps> absolutely yeah. not just regular hysteria apocalyptic apocalyptic <laughs> I was really excited for a flashback episode. Yeah, I thought you would be because I feel like pretty recently you were like, I want to know about them being kids. I mean, it it like sort of has to come up, right? Because of Mm -hmm. the huge impact of John. Absolutely. And well, also like, I don't know, it's pretty important for Sam's characterization because we know like school was a pretty big part of his life. Yeah. Because he literally went to an Ivy League like master's program, right? Yeah. Or he was a, he was admitted into one. He mm-hmm. never got to start law school, but he was finishing undergrad in his last semester. That's right. But yeah, I mean, pretty central to his care. I mean, to both of the boys, but 
in a less metaphorical sense, definitely Sam's story would be. Yeah, because he diverges so starkly and for so long, it becomes interesting then to go look and see, like, how did that happen? Not just knowing that it did. Mm-hmm. I will say I was a little shocked by the theming yeah. of the story because, like, the question that has been brought up with Sam's story, which is the like, does he actually want to be a part of this? Does he have actually want to be a hunter? Is more of a heavier question that we hit in the earlier seasons, like season one and two. Yeah. Now, I do get how it ties into the last episode with him, like, deciding he has the power to end this. And so, like, if he does end Lilith or Lucifer or evil or whatever, that maybe he could have some semblance of a normal life. Is this all making sense? Yeah, no, totally. I think this episode, you mentioned earlier being a little iffy on its placement, but I actually think having this episode after he's made his decision like okay i'm gonna go and do the thing ruby wants me to do and then walking it back and being like well this is where his head is at generally this is why he thinks the way he is and then asking this big question of us is sam a bully is he happy with where he's at um both of both of those questions i think it's really good placement because even though we don't really know what sam is up to exactly we still wonder if his intentions aren't getting ahead of him because of the fact that he was so resistant up until this previous episode. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And also, yeah, we get to see a little bit of the end game of where his life, where he wanted it to be. Um, it is very sad that we do all know the ending of Supernatural and we know how Sam's story ends. And it is in opposition to this characterization here. To the Yeah, to the but... whole idea of his motivations and desires as they're presented in season in season four in any event yeah it's sad it's sad i don't necessarily like if i didn't have like any outside opinions of like being perpetually online yeah i actually like the idea of his life not going the way it wants to go like i find that compelling right i don't know if i fully trust the show to get me on board by that point yeah i don't really want to get into a big conversation about where i think sam's story could have or should have gone in the long term but i do have a lot of opinions about it and i'm sure we will eventually get there i will say that i do think he by the end of it should have stayed a hunter and if anyone wants to talk to me about Sam being a hunter and a witch and a leader, definitely hit me up. But I'm going to skip it for now just to save my, my energy. <laughs> <laughs> I do um, like the introduction of Barry because in like a weird sense, Barry kind of represents hunting. You think? Kind of. Like if we really want to pull it apart... Like, Sam just wants to stay in his own lane. He wants to go unnoticed. He, like, has an out, and this, the out is just, this is is only a two-week gig or so he thinks. Yeah. But Barry is the catalyst that forces him, like, to have to participate in school life a little bit with, like, the whole Dirk thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's kind of, like, shows that Sam isn't able to just... Like, he has, like, that desire to protect and help. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes into hunting a little bit, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, There's also the idea, I think, that if Sam... And and this is what I 
read into it. Like if Sam allows himself to fixate on what he doesn't have, that is how Sam ends up, I guess. Not not to say Sam is killing himself, but like if Sam is stuck in the world of hunting and doesn't do anything to try and get out of it, like he dies, I guess. Like the, uh-huh. the Sam that is complacent is not a Sam that lives on to tell the tale, I guess. Um, which is sort of what you're saying, but from a different angle, now that I'm thinking of yeah. it. But I like that interpretation, yeah. Like, if uh, Dirk is the monster of the week, then Barry is just, like, the the civilian. Yeah. It does also, I think, bring into question, like, some of Sam's motivations, too, because, like, ostensibly, and, okay, I'm just gonna pump the brakes real quick on myself and say that this is something I'm taking away from the way the episode is shot and the things that tells us to focus on with Sam during these three big fight sequences with him but so he he doesn't want to get involved and then wanting to help Barry is his motivation right but we do also see this hint of like almost a bloodthirstiness I guess like when he is first staring down Dirk his it's not just like a no-nonsense look it's like a I could kill you if I wanted to kind of look yeah. And we see his rage in the hallway as well. Like, even after someone has intervened, that's when he starts to get his hackles up. And then the way he hits Dirk for the last time during that pause, even when he knows he's already won, to me. So it's like, we're calling into question his motivations in general, not just like, you know, does he have an obligation to help people but is helping people really the reason why he's doing it true that's why actually i find this episode really fascinating i like this episode a lot no that makes sense i really like the flashback aspects of the episode i find myself a little more more checked out in the actual present day yeah let me let me pitch let me try and like reel you back into the present day so like you mentioned Sam just wanting to like get through it as like a student, like a child, just wanting to like coast, be unnoticed. And I think you see that reflected in the present day too, right? So they have to infiltrate the school or whatever, which I'm sure it would be so much harder than however it made it look like with children. Come <laughs> on, people are careful. But he picks for himself. Like you almost feel like, oh, so they're going to be teachers, right? So you get the sense that Sam is going to do like this, the broody English teacher gig thing, right? Like it seems fitting. No, he poses as the janitor because he's in, he's invisible. Like he still sees himself as like small and like just wanting to get through it and have no one notice him. And like all of his scenes, he's like really drifting like alone through the hallway. It's very sad. I'm like, Sam. (laughs) That is true. In comparison to Dean, who literally takes the loudest role in the school. Yeah, because he has something to prove to himself and to other people. Yeah. Interesting. I know. (laughs) I love it. Dean, too. Oh, man. Little Dean getting into his little roles. This stupid little outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This outfit is so iconic. It really is. It's cute and... No gym teacher 
ever dressed anything like this. No, he's like literally dressed up in a gym teacher costume that he saw on yeah. TV. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Mm-hmm. He's just so, he's so ridiculous. I think the best part of it is just knowing that he's so into like embodying the idea of a gym teacher. And like you can mm-hmm. see it in the way like when he touches base with Sam he like yells walk it off at the one kid and then it like kind of puffs up and like looks at Sam like looking for approval like oh look I'm like saying my lines it's it's so dumb I love him (laughs) not that I expect this episode to be like I don't know clueless or whatever but I'm really disappointed in the fashion and the flashbacks I couldn't tell you one thing that anyone was wearing was just also blah. So I am slightly older than the both of you, not by much. I think literally by a year for you, Jasper. Yeah. But I do remember the fashion of the 90s fairly well, just because my mom, like, she really likes to dress up. She really likes to dress within the time period. Mm-hmm. One thing I really remember, so this would have been 97. So I did see a lot of flannel, like the post-grunge flannel, which was good. But then the way that it was like layered was really too heavy and a little too early 2000s. Yeah, for sure. 90s, the girls would have all had really thick lip liner if they were popular. Yeah. Leather pants and um, shirts should not have touched the pants. No. Like there should have always been like the tiniest bit of midriff. Just a little bit. Yeah. And then... Men should have had incredibly baggy clothes. They should have all had a square silhouette. And then um, the thing that really took me out of it from not feeling like 97 was, and this is obviously, I don't blame production for this because like, you can't make all the extras cut their hair, but there were so many fucking emo bangs. Oh my God, yeah. Everywhere. They like littered the halls. I know. And I'm like, that is so fucking 2009. I know. <laughs> I think like they tried with some of it. Like you could see there was some like um, straightening and pinning them out of the way that was going on in the background. But yeah, I noticed that too. I was just like, they're all wearing the same shit. They just have a uh, different like everything has a soft and golden glow instead of being like this dark lighting yeah. in in the present day. But yeah, I was I was really disappointed with it. The only styling that I liked was Sam and Dean actually because it was consistent. Literally. And I I love the way they style Colin Ford, the actor who plays um young Sam. They always have them him in like corduroy and things like that um he's just he's so precious he's so cute i can't (laughs) handle it oh what did you think of brock kelly the actor who played young dean how do you guys find him oh i thought they like really picked an actor who looked like dean like i thought thought they did a really good job in terms of i don't know i thought he did pretty good he was pretty good at being a protector to sam and then selling the, like, final scene with him and the actress who plays Caroline in The Vampire Diaries. Yes, yeah. Um, her name's Candace King. She played Amanda. Yeah. yeah, famously Caroline in The Vampire Diaries. She's great. Yeah. She's, I love I think her. she's really good in this episode. Yeah, I was just like, you tell Lil Dean. Get him. <laughs> get his ass. <laughs> the, like, other girls with their bags who, like, look at him and they're like, mm. Uh, before they walk away i'm like yes 
Yeah. I love Dean so much, but in that moment, I'm like one of them. Yeah. Well, especially like that conversation was so good because like, I don't know, there's something about like Dean, like when she's trying to have a heart to heart with him and he's just denying, denying, denying. But yet this whole episode, he's been wearing his father's oversized jacket. Yes. Yeah. And then the big, like, it all coming together. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's back it up a little bit. Let's back it up. Because we're literally in the end of the episode here. (laughs) I know that we kind of try not to do this. So I'm sorry that I'm doing it. But this really reminded me of the (laughs) X-Files. I know, like, the ghost possession is like its own thing separate from anything going on in the X-Files. But one of the like longer term plots in the X-Files is like the black oil. Yep. Yeah. And that's like a huge deal. And it's visualized basically exactly the same as the ectoplasm in the eyes in this episode. I'm like sitting here like, oh, these little nerds making this little nerd show referencing other <laughs> nerd shows. <laughs> Oh, also, I know it's, like, so over the top, but I'm obsessed with this home ec blender scene. Oh, so fun. It's so good. It's so fun. Like, this is the kind of gore that I like to see. Like, just this really over the top, just needlessly gooey. And this is, like, the dream, right? Like, someone talks shit to you and you stick their hand in a blender like talk about (laughs) catharsis man (laughs) also this is such a bougie-esque school to have food processors for each group in homac oh my god right yeah i thought it was the thing that made me laugh too was the homac teacher's reaction when she just like slowly walked up and like mm-hmm. put a single napkin under his hand as oh my god they right walked out the door slowly and i was just like what the fuck is going on this was like literally like this kid was just like assaulted by a food processor yeah no one is like <laughs> screaming or anything except for him yeah everyone's just sort of looking like huh well that's interesting <laughs> yeah they're like dang i didn't think this happened twice in a year it's such a mood though because like one of my kids one day was like let me show you this video of a kid wandering our classroom with a screwdriver to stab another kid and no one in the video was talking like it was just really chill standing there so i feel like this is the perfect place for people to just be like eh it's a tuesday (laughs) so after um they go and sam sees the ectoplasm dripping out of the blender kid's ear Mm -hmm. that's when they like start to remember about like barry getting bullied yeah and i mean Barry kind of runs throughout all of the flashbacks, too. But yeah, it, it's interesting to see Sam, present day Sam's reactions to hearing about these people in um, his childhood. Because I think, like, consistent both with Barry and with Dirk, he's very um, down in the mouth about it, I guess. Which, I mean, is fair. It's all very depressing. But I think he's such an emotional guy, at, at least on the negative emotions zone uh, so far as what we're presented in this show anyway you'd think like his reactions to things would be bigger but just his like mm-hmm. subdued sadness really uh it hurts me yeah yeah this was an interesting choice to me to be like we're gonna conquer the idea of bullying on a show that like i don't <sighs> 
I don't know, like, who their target audience was for this. So do we want to talk about, like, the bullying PSA overarching throughout this episode now? We can. I think so, maybe. My take on it is that um, I think they were just presenting us with some ideas. Like, Mm. yeah, pain comes from somewhere and anger comes from somewhere, too. Like, I think really all they were trying to say is that you never know what's going on with people. Like, the way we can see that Sam's surface-level intentions are good, but that he does have, like, this desire to beat the shit out of people, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, Dirk is acting out and being an absolute piece of shit to everyone around him, but he was his mother's primary hospice care at the age of 13. So, So, like, I don't feel like it's trying to give us a direct answer about anything. Um, and I, I kind of like that about this episode. Like, the t- even the title, okay, like, the title is After School Special, which is something so definite, and the idea of, like, a PSA and an After School spe- Special, and, you know, like, like the, the Degrassi-ass shit. Like, all of those episodes <laughs> have a very concrete way that they're intended to be read one way or another, and the entire episode is fighting that idea, It's saying there is no concrete answer. This is not an after-school special. This is how life is. And I I enjoy that about it. Yeah, I agree. And um, I do kind of like that it doesn't come to its own conclusion. I did read into a little bit about, like, kind of relating, like, the cycle of bullying to, like, the cycles that Dean and Sam get stuck in. Mm, Yeah. Because, like, here, we have kind of, like, a kick-the-dog narrative. Like, the popular kids bully the kid within the popular group who's like a little bit lower right she goes and bullies and it's just like this unending chain that just kind of ripples through Mm. someone roll the clip from glee (laughs) yeah exactly it's one of the best scenes of television i've ever seen in my life (laughs) stop the violence (laughs) anyway Yeah, the whole not knowing what other people are going through and that, like, somebody kind of has to be the bigger person to stop this cycle. I don't know. I don't think it was super effective if that's what they were going for, but they may not have been. Who knows? Yeah, I didn't even think they were trying to say that someone's got to be the bigger person. Yeah, it wasn't even that someone's got to be the bigger person, but I guess just, like, not knowing what other people got through. They make a big point with Dirk's story. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just kind of like there's this weird cycle of bullying, but then I also see, like, not to get ahead too much, but just the very ending scene about, like, how Sam was not able to break the cycle. I see a parallel there that I find kind of interesting and it does feel like it's kind of projecting him like oh maybe he does actually have the power to stop it now right and actually like have a way out i actually thought the ending was much more hopeless than that i thought the ending was indicating by all accounts that he is unable to break out yeah that makes yeah i mean it's mostly that to be honest he doesn't say whether he's happy or not so we don't get a sense of whether he thinks he could break out but i think we're supposed to come away from that feeling pretty negative and like we certainly know that Dean hasn't broken out of any of it. Like, I think the episode makes that very clear. I don't know. It's a very pessimistic episode, and I enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here we get our, like, red herring with Barry. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that as a Um, red herring. Showed us, like, a red herring. I feel like we get one almost every episode. Yeah. I mean, it's a mystery format. They're solving mysteries. So, like, yeah. So I know it's pretty close to here where like Sam talks to the teacher, Mr. Wyatt, 
and he turned in like just straight up a story of his family killing a werewolf for nonfiction. Yeah. Which, yeah. for one, I find hilarious. <laughs> but he's just like fuck it. <laughs> exactly, because like he knew what he was doing. And then for two, uh, they really love to bring up werewolves in this show. Werewolves get referenced so much. Werewolves are cool, Jordan. It's just like if if anyone's like off on a hunt, they're hunting a werewolf. Like like I'm gonna pay attention now for now on. I feel like the same way shapeshifters are kind of linked to Dean. I always link werewolves with Sam, at least in the early seasons. Oh, that's fair. But literally though, if I was this teacher and this kid for nonfiction turned in a story about about like werewolf, I would be like about to call CPS. Because, like, clearly there's some fucked up stuff going on in the home that the kid doesn't feel comfortable talking about directly. And, like, given that werewolves are a symbol of, you know, masculinity out of control, classically, you know, tend to be used to talk about violence and alcoholism and, like, the transformation of someone you care about into a monster, um... Yeah, I would be concerned, frankly. <laughs> and I yeah. definitely okay. think it's... I weirdly had this happen. Really? But not about werewolves, but it was like a totally make-believe world for a nonfiction assignment. And sometimes you just get really weird students. <laughs> like, genuinely, where you're like, I don't know if they understand the concept of reality-type students. So... Yeah, I, I I think I'd rate this off just because of the weird shit I've seen. Like, it's not the time I got Nickelback lyrics in the middle of an essay, so I'll take it. Oh my god. Shout out to that kid. Whoever you are, you're powerful. <laughs> you do scare me. <laughs> anyway, I do think it's in context significant that this is the story mm-hmm. that he would choose, given that their dad is violent and an alcoholic and is often likened to a monster. I also just love and hate how sad it is that like he's just trying like he genuinely goes there like so open and wanting to fit in and this is him trying to share his story. Poor baby Sam. It kind of reminds me of how in the early seasons he's very interested in being honest with um, civilians when they're on their cases. He's just like, these are the facts. There's werewolves. I would really like to talk about the conversation that Amanda and Dean have in the closet about like going to the movies or whatever, where she she can't like do plans because of her curfew. I think this is the saddest part for me, and it gets me every time because it's really showing Dean in the moment realizing like the way he dealt with his childhood was to spin it and look at it as opportunities when in reality, like he's suffering because of the lack of parental care and support. Right. And I think having a character next to him who is his own age being like, low-key, I'm going to go find your dad and beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's probably, like, so strange. I'm, like, I so vibe with her reaction. She's just literally, like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. It's, like, kind of weird because, like, this conversation here is just something so true to high school. Like, I remember having, like, this almost this exact conversation. I wasn't as 
like upfront about it, but like one of my best friends growing up, who I still have somewhat contact with occasionally, but like was going on about like how, you know, his mom like lets all of them stay up as late as they want. They get to choose their own bedtime, like do what they want. They can play outside all they want. And then like I went over to their house and it was because their mom was like, a severe, severe alcoholic who passes out at, like, 7 p.m. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is really unnerving. <laughs> right, yeah. I think one of the saddest parts of this conversation, it isn't, like, the lack of curfew or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, it's when yeah. he starts talking about how they live at the motel. Yeah. And yeah. he's, like, genuinely so excited about the amenities of the motel. Like, free ice, can you believe it? I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Like, it just, it makes me think about, like, what kind of shithole places they must have stayed in in the past that he's, like, yeah. excited about the one they're at right now. Yeah, or, like, how they've probably spent so much time sleeping in the car or in the woods. Right. Like, right. yeah. It's amazing how, like, this episode, for all that it focuses most on Sam, still manages to have some really, really good moments with Dean as well. I wish the reverse were often true. (laughs) Absolutely. And, like, usually, like, Dean will even steal the episode when it's a Sam-focused episode. And in this, the scene gets real close. Yeah. But then we, like, kind of pump the brakes a little bit on the Dean. Yeah, I think just having the focus shift because of the fact that Sam wants to linger in um, the nostalgia a little longer and, like, talk to the teacher and stuff. Like, if there weren't, if there wasn't that aspect of it, then I think it would feel a little less balanced. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of talking to your English teacher, I'm obsessed with the fact that Dean, who's always blurting out movie references or whatever, but they're usually like sci-fi horror genre kind of, you know, goofy, schlocky movies that we would associate with Dean. Dean is like making a Dead Poets Society reference right here talking about Robin Williams and Oh Captain, My Captain, and I'm like, gay movie for gay people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, of of course he's fucking seen Dead Poets Society. Of course. Kind of a horrible movie to reference during this, too, because, like, one of the kids in that movie um, commits suicide as well, or completes suicide, rather. Yeah, I... I don't know. This one's so tragic, and I... I don't know. Referencing that and then having suicide brought up, like, I know his death is important to the plot. It just, they move away from this storyline very quickly. Yeah, I think, like, the way they talk about it is a little dismissive. Mm -hmm. That kind of frustrates me. Like, I'm not saying, like, it's never anyone's fault, okay, if someone takes their own life. Like, you can't be like, well, it was your fault because you weren't as close enough friends with them as you should have been or whatever. Like, no, like, that's that's fake. But, like, the way they're like, oh, well, you know, he was on meds or whatever, so what are you going to do? Like, doing everything they could. Like, you don't know that, actually. Like, it's just very flippant, I think. Because there's a lot of other things that go into someone's psychiatric health or psychological health rather and like it's possible to 
be medicated and still miserable. Like if you're not receiving the kind of support you need from community or like you're not getting therapy that's helping you stay like out of bad thought patterns or you know like like you can still pretty easily slip through the cracks there like I don't know like I I don't think that it's anyone's responsibility if someone takes their own life but I do think that like community interdependence is very weak in our society and probably um if it weren't that way are you trying are are you picking up what i'm putting down i'm sort of like my my thought process is just sort of like fizzling out (laughs) i feel like i had a thought strand that i just lost that was related to that that's okay It's around here that Sam gets attacked by the possessed girl in the hallway. Jennifer. Yes. (laughs) Was that her name? I think that was. I don't know why, but I wrote that down. Very important fact. I feel like I remember she had a Japanese last name. This is the only character whose outfit I want to talk about because it's insane. Do you guys remember what she was wearing? Did she have? So she has on a t-shirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has on a t-shirt with like a cartoon cat on it. And over top of that, she's wearing a yellow and black striped zip-up hoodie. And she's wearing this with a gray plaid pleated skirt, black nylons, and Ugg boots. It's the most (laughs) crazy outfit. I was like, that is something someone would actually really be wearing in January of 2009. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, truly though... Because you wore Ugg boots with everything. Oh, and with yeah, everything. everything. I was in the group of people who thought Ugg boots were stupid. So I didn't wear them. I just wore my chucks. My really fucked up chucks. <laughs> I still have my Kulaburras before they were bought by Ugg. Oh, yeah? Because I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. They were like $120. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't just throw them away. You could sell them. I don't think they're worth anything. Also, I totally donate all my old clothes. I don't throw them away. But I just can't part with them. I will probably never wear them again, but they are still in my closet. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that she had a cat on her shirt because it makes Dean calling her Hello Kitty maybe like a half degree less (laughs) racist. Maybe that's what he was referencing. It's still pretty racist. It's still pretty racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get that they were like referencing heathers but like i don't know also like we also underwrite all the bullying of the first first girl by calling her martha dump truck too just mm-hmm. some i have some notes supernatural yeah like i feel like we were literally just talking about how when it's a sam episode they're like what if we made dean say the most bizarro weirdo offensive shit yeah yeah It's like a sensitivity training when the sensitivity training is led by someone who's also incredibly offensive. Like, So here, is this when they move on to the bus? This this is about when they show, like, the fight where Sam beats up Dirk. Oh, yeah. I'm really sorry, but Luz Chester made me laugh. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's good. It's a lot better than Dirk the Jerk. For real. I guess it's that bullying experience coming through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's been in the industry for at least, like, five years or whatever at this point. (laughs) The bullying industry, just to be clear. (laughs) 
I like the choreography. It was a nice, tight little fight scene. Yeah, no, it looked good. I mean, like I said earlier, I feel like this scene is super uncomfortable for me because we're rooting for Sam, but like he doesn't stop when he should. Yeah. yeah. And not only does he keep hitting Dirk after he knows he's won, he then has to like humiliate him as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still supposed to feel like on his side about it right here because this is before we learn anything else about Dirk. Yeah. But personally, this bit has always made me feel really uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. I I do kind of see it as an effective scene, though. Oh, yeah. No, as a scene, it it's so good, I think. Yeah. Because it sits in that weird middle zone, like, of how we see Sam so perfectly. And I think it helps that it's right in the, in the middle of the episode in, in so far as, like, the minutes themselves um, as well. I think it's it's so well done. It just, you know, oh, oh, it makes it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, it's definitely good at that. The only character I really feel bad for in this episode is Dirk Sr. Yeah. Yeah. What really fucking gets me is just like on top of everything else, he has some weirdo specifically asking him where he keeps his deceased son's lock of hair. And then the next day he's going to find that it's gone. <laughs> gone. Yeah. I cannot really? believe that. I only accept that they put some fake hair from a doll in there. He wouldn't know the difference. I just can't accept that they would leave him like that. Well, I don't know. I think it's been proven that, not that it's their fault, there's nothing they could really do about it, but all the boys care about is getting rid of the supernatural threat. However they leave the situation after, that's for everyone else to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they left, like, three people in a psych ward. Literally. Oh, my God. Like, I think about April at the end of this episode. Like, she was literally possessed by a ghost. They're like, well, mm-hmm. can't do anything about that. Yeah. Like, I know canonically they would. I just... It is devastating to think of the repercussions left on this town after the boys come to town. Oh, yeah. No. Seriously. Every single place they go they are like straight up murder hoboing it like 100% of the time (laughs) like how many therapists have been like who the fuck are these men who come in and like (laughs) ruin this town like what the fuck is going on sounds like any other man to be honest true do you guys remember that episode of doctor who where there's like the doctor fan people but they're not they're not like fans they're just like people who've interacted with the doctor and they're like talking to each other on a forum online yeah yeah i there has to be something like that in the supernatural Mm -hmm. universe the bus there's a bus it goes round and round it doesn't it stopped actually in the dead of night i would love this to be the start of a horror movie like the bus breaks down on the side of the road Really, I feel like a school bus full of kids going somewhere to like a t- like a high school athletic event and then they have to do a horror movie plot in the middle of the night. I feel like that's just going to turn into like, I don't know, the worst teen horror movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that's going <laughs> to turn into like the Bye Bye Man. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it will yeah. and I'm fully here for it. Like I don't even like bad movies, but just the setup is so on the nose. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're okay with the consequences of it, then you know what? Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> 
I honestly feel like this scene, because so many of the other scenes are so like deft and smart, this whole bus Mm -hmm. sequence and like face off with the ghost is just really underwhelming for me. Yeah. It almost just felt like we're like, okay, we did what we wanted to do with the episode. Let's wrap it up quick. Yeah. And I think like it really undermines some of the other messages in that episode. Like, I feel like Sam shows up and is like, yeah, well, I was still right, so. (laughs) And I'm like, all right. I just love that this is going to, I don't love, but I love hate that this will be a collective trauma for the rest of the kids on the school bus. Yeah. God, especially some of those people got blasted point blank with rock salt. Yes! Oh my god, yeah, the substitute bus driver, Jesus. Oh, and then they had like that weird callback to the cowgirl position, and I was like, that is a child, sir. I know. That made me so mad. Disgusting. Also, like, oh, that... that's a child you literally just shot with rock salt. Like, not only is that a child, you just shot him. Yeah, that child is not okay. No. In any capacity right now. It's just so much. Like, stop. I liked that the hair, the artifact tying the ghost to the world was just, like, on the ghost. It kind of feels like cheating, and, like, maybe we had a chance for some kind of symbolism that we just didn't mm-hmm. take, but it's okay. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the ghost was aware that the hair was linking it and made an effort to hide it. Like, that's a lot of thinking. Yeah. Talk about strategic reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like one of those things that should come up in Supernatural again and then doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like you think about it for more than a minute and you're like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. But they, yeah. they've already passed on. It's been like three seasons in the future. And they're <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We're busy. <laughs> I do like that this fight sequence sets up the interaction between Sam and the English teacher, Mr. Wyatt, pretty well. Mm. Because yeah. Sam very confidently makes this statement to the ghost. is like, you know, high school sucks. You get through it and things get better. And then we have this scene with Mr. Wyatt, and we're left wondering, well, do things actually get better? I was kind of like, for one, I had to literally pause it before he talked to Mr. Wyatt, because I was like, I know this is going to be cringy. Because what are you thanking him for, Sam? Introducing you to the illusion of choice? (laughs) And what are you going to go tell this man? Like, you know how you gave me really good advice? Yeah, I tried to take it. Didn't work out. Like, it's sweet, Sam, but why? The whole time in this scene, I was like, please go thank your teachers. We miss you. (laughs) I think it's very significant that he speaks with him because I, I, it's like Mr. Wyatt is the whole reason he even thought he could go to college. And I think, okay, I've been reflecting on this a lot because like educators like pour so much in and we really wanted to break cycles of poverty and abuse and like tragedy. But in the end, all we can do is like give them these assets and and hope for the best. Like, I know that's really fucking dark, but I think it is just the reality of it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think this reflects that for sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the long run, like Sam is unhappy, but we also know that Sam is making his own choices right now. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, this is right after he's made this big decision with Ruby 
is is when this episode happens. So, you know, like his his choices that he's making are outside of a context where he has someone like Mr. Wyatt in his life to tell him, hey, you have this other option. You know, I, I, I don't know. I still think it's nice for him to go and recognize that that did have a real impact on his life. Like maybe, no, he's not in law school right now. And, you know, he is doing monster hunting, even though he doesn't really want to. But like the idea that he might have been able to do something differently. And and he did actually, for real, get out of his dad's sphere of influence for like four years. Um, like pivotal years of early adulthood. And I don't know. I still think that's awesome. Even if right now he's still pretty fucking miserable, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. And to me, it's so important. Like having that person who gives you advice, who then doesn't judge when you make choices. Right. Because like we all will watch loved ones, um, in professional roles, in like personal roles, like in all different aspects of our life, we will have loved ones that we tried to give support and then we watch them make the like choice that hurts them or is not best for them but like that is a judgment free thing and I really like how Sam's able to come back and there's not even a mention of like well did you achieve this instead it's like are you happy on your path yeah because that's what's important thinking about how Sam might have turned out if he hadn't had those years to himself is a sad little thought experiment I think he would be meaner, mostly. Yeah. I feel like that also sums up this podcast really well. A sad little thought experiment. Jesus, Allie. (laughs) 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 Well, goddamn. All right, pack it up. Podcast over, I guess. show the more you reflect on it like it naturally just gets more and more tragic (laughs) we have to have levels if we just keep going down eventually we'll have to come up a little bit right (laughs) theoretically (laughs) occasionally we breach the surface and gasp for air so we can go back under for even longer (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that sounds about right yeah All right. Did we have any other comments about the content of the episode? I found it very interesting that Dean knew one of, like, the two states in 2009 that gay marriage was legal. Shut up. (gasps) Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he makes that comment um, where it's like, oh, I'm covering because your gym teacher had to go get married in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, my God. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Because it's a joke about butches being gym teachers. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's a really reductive joke, but. But, oh, my God, the fact that he knows that. Yeah, I think there was, like, Massachusetts and Vermont. I'm just guessing. I could be totally wrong, but I assume those were the only two I mean, states I think that allowed gay Vermont marriage at the, the time. I think Probably. I'm Googling this. History of gay marriage legalization. Yep, Vermont was the first one, and that was in 2000. Wow. Not that long ago. No, it really no. wasn't. Yep, and then Massachusetts in um, 2003. You were right. Yeah, it was a very quick joke, but I'm like, Dean knows. He knows where he can go. <laughs> he does. When this does. angel relents, or he <laughs> relents. It seems more like when he relents. Yeah, honestly. Walking around with his little bratty bottom ass. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That guy isn't a brat. <laughs> 
No way he's misbehaving. He needs that praise too bad. Oh, also Dean has a praise kink. That sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> obviously Jordan. <laughs> Could be both. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Allie. <laughs> Well, speaking of praise kink, do you guys want to hear about the fan fiction? Yeah. Yes, please. For once, it actually doesn't have that in there. (laughs) I actually almost, I tried to pick a fanfic that I've already highlighted initially for this episode. So I'm just going to shout that one out again. Um, January 24th, 1996 by AO3 user Nepenthine, which is already bookmarked by on the OTRS AO3, would have taken place a year before this episode after school special because it's about his 17th birthday and the um, lesbian nun ghosts. So do check that out. The one I have for us today is about Dean from 1998, which would be a year after after school special. Mm -hmm. It's called Time Has Come Today by AO3 user teen underscore Dean. The summary is, Cass fetches 19-year-old Dean from 1998 to help the team with a griffin hunt in 2020. Dean Winchester, being allergic to self-reflection, doesn't love the mental tightrope walk that comes out of having his past self around. Teen Dean's got even more to reckon with. There's this live-in angel, storied secrets his older self won't face, and a future he could never have predicted. This one's part of a series. There's three in it, and I've read all three. They're all very good. The second one is my favorite, but this first one can be read on its own. This one's rated T. The only ship in it is Dustiel. The characters are Dean, Cass, and Sam. Additional tags include Young Dean Winchester, Time Travel, your favorite alley, Case Fic, References to Prostitution, Young Dean Hustled But That's Not Depicted, No One Can Hate Dean More Than Dean, Internalized Homophobia, Accidental Outing, Canon Typical Violence, Catharsis, Angst with a Happy Ending, my favorite tag, and it's going to feel like an episode, but you'll get more gratification. (laughs) This one was published at the beginning of last year, 2021. It's got about 35,000 words and has around 18,000 hits. So it it is pretty well known. Um, I do recommend it if you enjoy time travel stuff. I love to see baby Dean and adult Dean interacting with each other. I think it's hilarious. Look at look at those two repressed guys having a little repression battle at each other. <laughs> love that. Love to see it. Yeah, it's really funny because you think meeting your older self would make you less repressed because you see, like, a literal actualized version of yourself, but not in Dean's case. No. (laughs) True. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then at the same time, like, I feel like being an adult, having to contend with your younger self, both, like, not having experienced some of the worst fucked upness that happens in your life yet, but also having not dealt with some of the supremely fucked up stuff that's already happened to them would just be like a double whammy of like just trauma triggers. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I will not be <laughs> speaking with myself when time travel is invented. No. <laughs> absolutely no. not. <laughs> I will not be partaking. No. <laughs> you and I are of one mind on this, Sally. <laughs> The real miracle of Supernatural. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I see him fight a griffin. That's so sweet. Griffin!
There's so many interesting themes you could do with uh, Griffin because there's like the ties to like the fantasy genre, like being trapped in a fantasy or like otherworldliness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. I think that leaves us with, are we going to rate the episode? Yeah, let's rate the episode. What did you think, Jordan? Okay, I think this one's kind of easy for me. I'm going to give it a four out of five because I loved, I think this was probably my favorite Sam narrative, like standalone Sam narrative. I found it incredibly compelling. I liked the little bits that we got Dean. I thought that was interwoven so well. Yeah, I actually liked pretty much most of the episode except for... Well, we already talked about the offensive stuff, but um, also just, like, the end felt a little bit shoehorned to me. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. There's a hair in my boot. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I think work is getting to me. What about you, Allie? Uh, yeah, I really like this episode. I love the flashbacks. I think the pacing with the... Uh, flash forwards back to modern time are kind of off and there's a lot of problematic content just like weirdly in that so overall i'm gonna give it a four out of five gym shorts hell yeah what about you jasper i'm also gonna give this a four out of five Mm. there's enough pacing issues for it to be noticeable like i said the final conflict i find kind of boring and Mm. yeah there's you know, some, they they found a way. They were like, you know what? Let's make this episode have some racism and pedophilia just for funsies. And I don't like that. So yeah, gonna give it a four out of five high socks. Love it. I really want to know what's in store for us next, oh, Jordan. Oh boy, I have no clue. So I'm trying to think. We have eight episodes left. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of like what themes we're going to tie a monster into. I think that's going to be... We're going to have to deal with Dean and his torture. I wonder if there's almost going to have to be like a monster that Dean is going to have to torture or something. Or maybe Dean will Mm -hmm. have to relive a torture. I hope it's the first one. That'd be a lot more interesting to me. Sam going to have to come to terms with betraying his brother to make a choice for the what he thinks is the greater good. I think we're going to have to explore that theme. And then I think we're going to have to have like a leading into that an episode where the brothers are pinned against each other in some way maybe supernaturally as for monsters itself i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly i feel like sam has made the decision to rely on his powers more so i think he's gonna start becoming a little bit seduced by the demon blood i think we're gonna get like a buffy moment and we're gonna he's gonna have to like detox or something is any of this making sense? I'm literally just spitballing. No, yeah, no. no, no yeah, I hear sense. I hear that, yeah. As long as this is not a Lugaru next episode or Rugaru, <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> I have a feeling you are going to love the next episode. Okay, I'm so excited then. Or at least it'll make you feel slightly insane. Because <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> Good, bring it on. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Bedford, Iowa. Bye. Bye. Bye.